It's that time again. Groups are about to start and we cannot wait. Here's what's on the menu. Groups will be starting the week of August 8th. Signups are now open online at citylifelancing.com, but just like the last session of groups, you can drop in anytime on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. at City Life. Our in-person groups will be meeting at City Life and in homes all throughout the week. Also, we have an online group on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. for those who prefer that. Now you might be asking, well, there's so many options. Can I be in more than one group at a time? And the answer is yes. Powerful things happen when we are together in community. We aren't meant to do life alone. We are better together. See you at groups. Hey, what's up, everybody? Good morning. Good to see you. My name is Jerome. Good to see you online. Today is the first day of August 2021. You guys can pull the music. I'm in the message. It's all good. There was no bumper this week. I threw the team off. I was like, is he going to preach? Is with the beat the whole time? <laughs> um, first day, August 2021. What's right around the corner? September. What does September typically bring for many of us? Change. It increases the amount of activities most of us have. Our responsibilities increase. And with responsibility increasing, what also happens? Stress increases. Worry increases. Anxiety increases. And in the news, there's much speculation with COVID and the Delta variant. And what does that bring? Friend, I want us to pause and I know I'm preaching the choir. If you're here on a Sunday, you want to make your life count in, in a powerful way. Or if you're tuning in and watching this later, you're already carving out time to invest in the soul care. But I want us to make a, a commitment to not go into September fast, but to go into September rooted in God, in his word, with his people, confident in who Jesus is. And so this month, we will be doing a chapter a day with Dr. Luke in Luke's gospel. Beginning next Sunday, we will be in Luke chapter 1. And then as a body, we will proceed a chapter a day and eventually conclude the book of Luke at the end of August. And today... I felt like a, uh, I couldn't shake with the Olympics on uh, Philippians 3, where Paul puts out all of his accolades and he's like, hey, I could have a lot of confidence in what I do, but none of it compares to what Jesus and who Jesus is in my life. Today's title, Jesus is my gold medal. And in just a moment, we'll go to Philippians 3. To be captivated by Jesus and then throughout the month to look at who Jesus is. Rip away religion. Rip away institution. Rip away any of our preconceived notions. Let the text speak for itself. Dr. Luke, take an account of eyewitnesses to record the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus. So to kind of get us, uh, 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 I guess... Our mind going there, the team put together a little, just 
a video with music and illustrating of where we'll be this month, we'll check this little video out. next Sunday. And to get us ready, we will hopefully be in our Bibles. And and you might not have known this, but people, you ever heard of that devotion time, like read your Bible alone stuff, like personal time with Jesus? Hey, you know, we have access to that nowadays with, you know, the Bible on our phone. But, But scripture was actually read corporately and out loud together. Therefore, people couldn't just base their opinions by themselves. I don't know about you, but I need you. I can't do this thing alone. And I encourage you, anything you hear today, you can go into the text and observe it and and break it down. And let's chop it up. Let's get in groups together. Let's dive into God's word. And so what I have is in my office is I wait for these magical miracle moments to take place. And what those are is when somebody's like, yo, I want a Bible. But you know what's crazy? Those moments really never take place. (laughs) And it's, I mean, I'm not like shaming anybody. I just think in our day and age, it's like the last thing we're going to think about is actually holding a physical Bible. Why? It's on our phones. But like I, we've shared many different weeks. So is Snapchat, Instagram, uh, text messages. There's a lot going on, right? So we got to disconnect and connect to God. So what I have is a couple Bibles here, only if somebody like really wants a Bible today, all right? If you really want a Bible today, I got the Gospel Transformation uh, Study Bible, which is just all about Jesus and all the text. And this is a systematic theology study Bible for somebody weighty and heady that wants to, you know, break down some deep, deep, deep core. God gifted people differently. You know, people have different personalities and that's okay. Anyways, if, if, you, want, if you need a Bible and you want a Bible today, will you raise your hand? Everyone, okay, we got a couple here. All right. Uh, I'm thinking gospel transformation and somebody probably, they might have raised their, and sorry, I might not even be on the screen right now. But um, you're welcome. Somebody might have um, raised their hand and I didn't get to you, but that was just in the corner of my eye. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that your love for us and your word grows. Not he said, she said. But what did you say? Let's go to the source. Strip everything away. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, Jesus is my gold medal. Before Luke, I'm just enamored, captivated by who Jesus is. And I think Paul records this in such a powerful way as a pastor, writing from prison a letter from lockdown to a church The church in Philippi, he's writing them in Philippians chapter 3. We're picking it up, verse 1. In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Remember, he's in prison. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh. What he's about to break down is, hey, you want to talk who's got gold medals? (laughs) 
He's about to pull out some gold medals. Look, he's about to pull out some hardware. He goes, look, I got confidence in the flesh. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, gold medal. Of the nation of Israel, gold medal. Of the tribe of Benjamin, gold medal. A Hebrew born of Hebrews, gold medal. He's laying out his pedigree. Regarding the law, a Pharisee. Regarding zeal, (laughs) persecuting the church. Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Paul, who was formerly known as Saul, who persecuted the church because he thought he was doing it to obey the law. That Jesus is making a mockery. But then he's later converted that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And so therefore it continues. Look at verse 7. Lean into this right here, right now. But everything that was a gain to me, every accomplishment this world has to offer, prestige, relationship, money, being right, doing the right thing, everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I've also considered everything to be a loss in the view of surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, that righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. We're gonna go back into that passage hopefully soak in that text, highlight some of it to hopefully transform and spark in our souls, not just in our head, but in our souls. This type of view of who Jesus is that has captivated Paul in a way that from prison, he can say, look, if you've ever wondered the best thing I've ever done, if you've ever wondered the best gold medal I ever have, (laughs) it's in Jesus. And when we're reading the Bible, there might come questions, which translation, how do we know we can trust the Bible, Uh, who is Jesus? The Bible Project guys do a good job of of being a tool and a resource to come alongside of us as a local body. There's no substitution for being like locally, like we got to flesh this thing out together. And I know we're connected, you know, into interweb and globally, and that that is important too. but, But there's something about me and you at a table together, like looking at each other's eyes, like, hey, I love you, I'm with you, let's do this thing. Well, anyways, here's a few videos that can... Uh, uh, shape and mold us and be a tool today of understanding translations, how we use many different translations. I'm going to go to another translation in a minute. And why? Because sometimes I used to be, a, I was in seasons of a Bible snob. Bible snobs are like this. There's only one way to read the Bible and there's only one translation. Uh, this, these videos will help, help us in that. Check it out. The Hebrew Bible is a collection of scrolls written and assembled over a 1,000-year period by the Israelites written in Hebrew. The first significant translation was done in Greek. It was called the Septuagint, and this translation was widely used among followers of Jesus. 
Jesus claimed that the story of the Hebrew Bible was coming to its fulfillment through him, and his followers wrote about this claim in a new collection of writings called the New Testament. They were written in Greek. These two collections became the sacred writings of Christianity, the Bible. There have been many translations of the Bible over time, and here are three important ones. The Latin Vulgate was created for the Catholic Church. The Wycliffe Bible first brought the Bible into popular English, and the King James Bible was created as the official Bible of the Church of England. The entire Bible is now translated into over 700 languages. The New Testament by itself has been translated into an additional 1,500 languages. This all makes the Bible the most translated literary work in human history. There are many translations of the Bible, so which one should you read? In short, read as many as you can because no one does everything because they're designed for different purposes and using many translations will give you a well-rounded understanding. Every translation is balancing two goals. First is faithfulness to the wording of the original language, and the second is readability in normal English. Place these on a spectrum and you get word-for-word -word translations up here and thought-for-thought -thought translations down here. Word-for-word -word translations try to imitate the original language and so require you, the reader, to do more interpretive work yourself. Thought-for-thought -thought translations do more interpretive work for you by paraphrasing what they think the text means, and most translations are somewhere in the middle. Now, keep in mind that no Bible translation can perfectly represent what's in the original language because no two languages are identical. So pay attention to when translations differ and try to read as many Bible translations as you can. Nazareth, or Yeshua in his own Aramaic language, was a Jewish man who lived 2,000 years ago on the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. The earliest accounts of his life, called the Four Gospels, come from the eyewitness testimony of his followers. Jesus grew up on the scriptures of his people Israel that say God chose Abraham to bring his blessing to the nations. Jesus said the story was being fulfilled in him and that he was the one bringing God's reign to our world. He called this the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus announced God's kingdom to the poor and the sick, and he accused Israel's leaders of being corrupt. He challenged them in Jerusalem, fully knowing that this would get him killed. But his plan was to be enthroned as king by dying for the sins of his people. Later, the followers of Jesus visited his burial place, but it was empty. Then Jesus appeared alive to many, saying that he was the king of the world, opening a new future for humanity. Then he sent his followers to spread the good news of his reign around the world. The Hebrew... Okay. Um, what, what, are we, what are we trying to do? The attempt is this. It's an on-ramp to, to educate and equip and empower. To not, we not only experience, we need to experience God, you know? But, but many people are experiencing God all across the world. Some are worshiping trees. Some are, uh, have cows as sacred. Some are claiming religious experience all across the world for a whole slew of things. One of the most captivating uh, things that, uh, that has been a, a defense of who Jesus is to me is, is the, the eyewitness followers giving their lives for seeing this risen Lord, that they did it peacefully. And then, as you can see, translations get warped, and whoever has power, things get domineered and controlled. And, and then in the name of Jesus, people have done some very unique things, right? Like even uh, put Bible verses on weapons, crosses on shields. One time I saw like, uh, like a nuke, uh, not a nuke, but like a war missile with like a Bible verse on it. And... 
I don't begin to understand all the complexities of war and whether things could be righteous or not. But I know one thing, that Jesus, when I look at him, he came on a donkey and went to the cross for the sins of mankind. And how many people were sinners? How many? A little or everyone? Everyone? Is everyone a sinner? Apart from Jesus making us brand new? So we're all in the same boat. And then as we strip things away, we get straight to Jesus. And we realize, man, Jesus is not something to be used for gain or power or fame or to say, hey, I'm going to lift him up, but I'm going to take a lot of gold medals. What Paul is doing in Philippians 3 is saying, everything I have in this world is nothing compared to what I have in Jesus Christ. So in the name of Jesus, there's been a lot of things that have happened. I mean, it isn't even as, 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 as simple as like, well, I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't have a lot of the, the nuances that I, when I experience in pastor people, they have. Whether that's Jesus was white, whether Jesus was one particular style. We don't even speak one language across the world. <laughs> How can we serve this one Jesus? Well, this one Jesus displays himself in many different ways. And then when we go to just who Jesus is, in the Middle East, means he's not white and he's not from Europe. And there was a new time uh, uh, study that came out that what the picture, you could Google it later, of what Jesus would look like. And he doesn't look like almost any image any of us have seen. But if you go sometimes in a certain church, we'll paint what Jesus could look like. And this plays out in many different nationalities. It's just the dominating uh, nationality in, in power and control has typically been white in those structures now then influence and captivate a certain type of way of how Jesus needs to be reached. And what I'm trying to say is this, strip it all away and just look at Jesus this month and I think we'll have all the confidence we need. The gospel is strong enough to defend itself. The gospel is beautiful enough to defend itself. And why can I even trust the Old Testament? I love that Jesus quotes it. He quotes it because it's the very authority he stands on. And it's so messy and it's so unlike us because it transcends past gender. It transcends past color. It transcends past class. And he starts to say, hey, Jews, Gentiles, male, female, black, white, everything in between. You can come. There's a seat at the table. And he doesn't just talk it. He walks it. Oh, he walks it with his life. May we not be Jesus followers that want to talk about all of our gold medals or how we have to play the game. Let's talk about the one who is seated on the throne. And he makes all of us uncomfortable. Oh, we better believe it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> one of the silliest things I ever find is when people talk to me and they say this, Jerome, you're just so intense. People can't be like you. They can't, they, they, when you read the scriptures, not everybody can live that way. And I just say, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but this is the hardest thing I've ever read. Jesus is like, if you look for a home, you're not going to find one. I don't have a home. He's like, if you want to be rich in this world, he's like, I'm choosing the way of poverty. He even says things like this to people. Hey, like, let the dead bury the dead. The guy's like, can't I just go back and do my dad's funeral? It's not that he didn't care. What he was trying to show was when life is here, focus on that. Jesus, your family's outside. And he's like, who's my family? It's those who do the will of God. But yet on the cross, he tells one of his very followers to take care of his mother. 
See, what gets lost in the scriptures is how the scriptures are written. Some is written from a historical perspective. Y'all still with me? Come on, I know we're doing a little teaching uh, today, but it's not just always preaching. It's about depth. It's about depth because guess what? The storms will come again. COVID-19 isn't the last thing we'll see. We need to be Christians that can withstand some battles, people that have some grit. I mean, MMA fighters fight with like their knees dislocated, right? Olympians will push through the crazy of things and we cheer them on. I was watching a family, uh, Dressel, who's the, the, the swimmer? Dressel, he's the new Michael Phelps. Dressel, he won five gold medals and his family was crying. They were like, you did it, you did it, ah! They were like cheering them on. But like when we follow Jesus, it seems like it's the most alien position ever. <laughs> why, are you go- why are you so serious? Jesus speaks sometimes in stories with parables. There's similes, there's likes, there's narratives, there's poems that captivate us. So it's very important how we read the scriptures. Sometimes people say, well, uh, you know, the Old Testament, there's, there's, there's people with multiple wives, there's uh, killing going on, and, and yeah, but God's not condoning the multiple wife thing. Fair. You know, and I think it really does matter. Context does matter. So this month, we'll inch along slow, but I pray that you actually will go on this journey. For real. I did a funeral this week, and there's probably nothing more sobering than a funeral. And there's probably nothing greater than I've seen God use other than a funeral. Because in those moments, it's as if nothing else matters. And we're like, you know what? There's only one name I can be saved with. Jesus. Let's not get to our deathbed and give God our best. And what Paul's reminding us in is he's saying, hey, this Jesus thing, out of all my gold medals, it's worth it. You don't think we esteem athletes? You, you heard of S- Simone Biles? Well, this, you know, she withdrew from the Olympics. There's a picture here. Uh, Bieber tweeted her. And, and it's caused a lot of controversy. Some are calling her a wimp. She's, uh, she's had met- mental health issues for quite some time. Her, her medication isn't, uh, that she takes in the States isn't um, approved overseas. And what I found is what's so interesting, just kind of watching this through the tabloids real quick, and I didn't know a lot about it. I just caught wind of it. Um, because I, remember back in the day, you only had like 12 channels. Is anybody old enough for that? Okay, so we can, now I'm old enough where I can say, back in the day, you know, click, click, click. You know, you had the rabbit ears. And so I remember watching the Olympics a lot more as a kid because there was less options. You know, it was everything. What's on tonight? You know, badminton. <laughs> wow, right? You know, you're excited. But then there's these handful of ones that are super esteemed. Gymnastics is prestigious. Hoop, prestigious. But when she withdrew, it was as if we all knew her. Now, I'm not sure. Is anyone in the crowd that is a family member of Simone? All right, so nobody. But I would dare venture that if we got around the table, I'm sure we could all share some opinions. (laughs) It's been all over online, opinions galore. But I loved Bieber's perspective. He was like, nobody will ever understand the pressures you face. I know we don't know each other, but I'm so proud of the decision to withdraw. It's as simple as what does it mean to gain the whole world but to forfeit your soul? 
Here's Bieber preaching. Sometimes our no's are more powerful than our yeses. When what you normally love starts to steal your joy, it's important we take a step back to evaluate why. Now, am I condoned? Should she have left? I don't know. I don't know her. But I also, can I just submit this? I also shouldn't care. (laughs) No, like, think about it. We care about a lot of stupid things. We shouldn't care. It doesn't really matter. People thought I was crazy for not finishing the purpose tour, but it was the best thing I could have done for my mental health. So proud of you. This is to illustrate this. We care too much about things that don't matter. Let's care about Jesus. And if you don't know where you're at with Jesus, hey, there's an open, open invite. He's big enough to handle your questions. It's really neat. Sometimes when people swear around me, they'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry, pastor. I'm like, one, dude, you offended me. How so? Dude, I grew up in a household where the F-bomb was like the. So as as often as you say the was as often as my dad was dropping the F-bomb. Shout out to my dad. He'll still be on the phone and be like, you don't got me on speakerphone, do you? (laughs) I'm not sure cursing's a sin. Now, if you're cursing at somebody, degrading speech, yes. But I get offended because I'm like, dude, if you can't talk real in front of me, you sure as heck don't believe that you could talk real in front of God. God's big enough to handle your questions this month. The gospel of Luke stands alone. Now, let's go back in Philippians 3, out of the message this time. And that's about it, friends. Be glad in God. I don't mind repeating what I've written in earlier letters. I hope you don't mind hearing it again. (laughs) Better safe than sorry. So here it goes. Steer clear of all those barking dogs, those religious busy bodies. All bark and no bite. All they're interested in is appearances. Knife happy circumcisers, I call them. The real believers are the ones of the Spirit of God leads to work away at this ministry, filling the air with Christ's praise as we do it. We couldn't carry this off by our own efforts, and we know it. Even though we can list what many might think are impressive credentials. You know my pedigree. Here comes the gold medals. A legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law, a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. The very credentials these people are waving around is something special. I'm tearing up. I'm throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master. Firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. It's dog dung. The original Greek there is abrasive and even uh, could be debated as, is it a swear word? It's offensive that he's saying, hey, all my accolades, all my medals, they're nothing. They're rubbish. They're dung. That's how beautiful it is to know Jesus. Friend, I'm not sure I even got this figured out slightly. 
I talk too much about getting the medals. I talk too much about the cares of this world. And I just believe that God's inviting us in to what will matter most. It's Jesus. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. And please hear this. This isn't to downplay accomplishments on earth. This is just to understand that the sacrifices in Jesus that no one will see is far greater and better. The praise that's on our lips is better than the profit that's in our account. It's better than anything we can achieve. Any status we have, and any status we have, we give away so people may know him. I didn't want some petty, I didn't want an inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules. When I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. Now, friend, if you've been walking with Jesus for quite some time, the opportunity to be offended is for surely at your door. I didn't even know that there was new issues in my heart till I started walking this thing out later. I didn't even know there was new desires that are now at the forefront, new wants. I mean, on my 40th birthday, Crystal surprised me with I could ride in a Tesla. And I could ride in a Tesla. It was amazing. I don't think God would be mad at me if I owned a Tesla, but I'm not sure it's the most strategic thing to do as an inner city pastor. And when I rode in that, I was like, dang, I didn't even know I wanted a Tesla until I rode in it. And then the next day, I felt this desire and this pull to want a Tesla. And somehow it's like, man, my life doesn't count. I use that as a very little, little tiny example to say, you don't even know what's going to come into your heart later, what Christ has to rework again. And so we don't outgrow needing this. In fact, the longer we've been with Jesus could mean the more layers of paint that needs to be stripped away. Get us back to that place where we're just like, nothing else matters. You know? Nothing else matters. This is the one thing on our lips. In verse 10. And this is a paraphrase, like thought for thought, the message translation. I gave up all the inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally. I want to experience his resurrection power in my marriage, in my life, with my kids, in my city, in my schools. Is there opportunities to give up? Oh, you better believe it. (laughs) But I want to be a partner to share in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. What? What? This, this is like an Olympian speech. Push through, Jesus follower, even unto death. Paul, you're too extreme. Can you imagine being with him? You're a little too intense, bro. <laughs> Sharing his suffering? What do you mean by that? I got some qualifying questions. If there was any way to get on, in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. And what he's saying is this. If there was any other way to which mankind could be saved, any other gold medal, he tried it. There's only one when we say, I can't, but God can. I didn't, but Jesus did. And that simplicity starts to captivate us in such a way. Worship team, if I could uh, have you guys come up to the front. And in this last little time we have, uh, I hope to, you know, really nail a few points. And while they're doing that is I want to show you a picture of like, 
how we celebrate in front of the scenes, but what really takes place beyond the, behind the scenes. And, and hopefully in Michael Phelps' little glimpse here on his Under Armour commercials, we'll see ourselves kind of following Jesus and what nobody else will see. So let's first look at the Under Armour commercial and then just play right afterwards when he sees the reaction to that. one, you know, comes from not color corrected, not finalized, anything else, which just gives you enough direction. And so sit back and enjoy and you know what you think. All right. I swear. not be afraid and to understand everything what I'm doing and and to understand that I can't do it alone I think that commercial I mean you saw us we're in tears um that commercial shows a lot of amazing things about me that probably the world's never seen you know when I when I said on the Joe Buck interview I was like the world is going to see the real Michael Phelps and that's what I'm excited for. You know what's crazy? Um, one that kind of gets me excited to work hard, but the truth is I could never work hard enough to do what Jesus did in darkness to bring me into the light. That's why Jesus is my gold medal. And I don't know where you're at on that Jesus journey, but... I pray this month and starting next week, you'll go through each chapter in Luke and just see the story of Jesus in a fresh way like we've never seen before. So when he says, I'm the only way, no one comes to the Father but by me, we understand why, because no one's ever lived and suffered in darkness like Jesus has to say that. 
when he starts to tell us how to shape and mold our lives, he's not just savior, save me, but he's also Lord and he's master. And then when we read the scriptures, they start to do something to our souls to say, yes, everything I have is nothing compared to the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God. And it's hard. There will be times when we cry, times when we celebrate. There's times when we feast. There's times when we struggle. There's times when we feel lonely. But we remember we're not alone. It took that commercial for Phelps to, you know, say that. Hey, I, it's so neat that this can illustrate that I'm not alone. Friends, we have people all across the whole world that are worshiping the King of Kings. May we never believe the lie that we're all alone. And Peter, it says, remember your brothers and sisters that are suffering all across the whole world. One of the lies we believe is that with God, it's always going to be rainbows and roses. No, it's going to be hard. But be of good cheer, for Jesus has overcome the world. We have a high priest that understands our weaknesses. And so Philippians 3 Seven, look at this. But everything that it was a gain to me, Paul's saying, I've considered it to be a loss because of Christ. What I want us to do right now, think of everything you would define yourself by. Whatever is that temptation to say, look, I've achieved this. You ever walked in a room with a group full of people and felt that you just didn't add up? But if I had a certain title, maybe I would. What Paul's saying is, hey, every place I went, I added up. But I consider that as loss compared to the goodness of what I have in Jesus. Sons and daughters of the king, hear how good God is in you. In you. We're not defined by the, the truck. We're not defined by if we go out and change everything at our work and we'll plant, we'll water but God has to make it grow we are defined by Jesus' finished work so verse 10 we're going to skip down there and this is what I pray our goal is this my goal is to know him vision board junkies you got a goal? hey I like it, come on let's talk about it got to have a plan. you got to have action. Amen. But what would it look like if this was the only goal on our fridge? Hey, my goal is just to know him. And look at how Galatians puts it 4.9. But now since you know God, once you're in Jesus, you know God. Or rather, you have become known by God. So the goal of knowing God is rather that he knew you first. He knew when you were swearing when nobody was looking. He knew your thoughts. He knew all of that, and he still said, I loved you. I loved you with his very own life. How can you not, how can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elements? Don't go back to those gold medals that will collect dust. Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? Don't go back to the world's ways. Come on, come into the fullness of who Jesus is. Let's go. Church, let's go. Let's go. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see only as a reflection and as a mirror. 
but then we'll be face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. And what that's communicating is, yes, on this side of eternity, we won't get all the answers. We're going to look through and we can't fully see. It's like looking through, trying to make sense through my fingers right here. Or looking in a mirror and we can kind of, you know, a fog. I put my contacts in every morning and my, I like to take a hot shower and my gets, when mirror gets steamed up and I got to like, you know, because I want to see me putting it in. But I can't see it fully clearly. That's the mystery of following Jesus. We'll, we'll, get, we'll see dim partly, but one day we're going to know fully face to face with God. Oh, it's going to be so glorious. And until then, we're going to keep trying to know this Jesus. My goal simply is to know Jesus. That's it. That's it. I just want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus in my church family. I want to know Jesus in my family at home. I want to know Jesus alone. I want to know Jesus reading the scriptures together. I want to know Jesus of who he is in Hebrew and Greek and different translations. And all of it is just to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus in the still and the quiet. I want to know Jesus in creativity. There's no space that God isn't in. If anyone ever told you that God's just in a building, nah, he's everywhere. The colors, the fragrance, the grass, life itself. It's the goodness of God. So the invitation as we worship is this. What's stopping us, and only you know, of knowing Jesus? And don't feel forced but maybe you can just feel the Lord saying this. This image I got is if you were holding a gold medal. And you know, when people get buried, they put their most prestigious things in the casket. And, you know, picture like heaven kind of pulling us back off those gold medals to get to where Paul was, where I just surrender it all. And then we know Jesus. And then what, what is cool is sometimes some gold medals flow through us, some bronzes, and sometimes some just, I was disqualified. And I gave up. And I couldn't do it. But all of it is kind of open-handed because my one goal is to know him. Father, we pray right now, in this moment, every one of us, we just want to know you. Some in the room are questioning, hey, are you even real? I pray today by your spirit, God. You'll minister. I pray those watching will feel a call like, wow, I need to pull over. I need to get on my knees. I I just need to say, Jesus, I just want to know you. He'll reveal himself real. And this month we surrender, God, more than ever to have deep roots in you, to experience who you are in your word with your people and in all people in every space. Have your way in our hearts today, this month, so that we can go into September people praising and trusting in the risen King to know you in your resurrection power. Picture that. The resurrected King triumphed over death, triumphed over sickness. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we sing that hook? Let's all sing this.